High School Slumber Party AP is a Cage Club Podcast Network production. For all things Cage Club and High School Slumber Party, head over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, slumberers who take their studies a little bit more seriously. This is High School Slumber Party AP. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and I am not alone today. If you're wondering why this sounds a little different than our normal High School Slumber Party episodes, it's because you've entered a classroom of a little higher learning today. This is the very first episode of High School Slumber Party AP. What's High School Slumber Party AP? Well, at the end of last year, I embarked on a quest to watch every teen movie of 2020. I thought it would be 10 films max, but I ended up watching more than 30 films on a really, really long weekend. What I found were a lot of great stories from a lot of great artists that nobody was talking about. Were they all perfect? Of course not. But they were all different in a good kind of way. On High School Slumber Party, we focus a lot on nostalgia, and don't get me wrong, I love the classics from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, 10 Things I Hate About You, Mean Girls. There are a lot of awesome and not-so-awesome films in this genre, and I'm going to continue to talk about them. However, after watching all those 2020 movies, I felt a void. I felt like we needed to talk about some of these new artists and filmmakers who are making teen films today. I don't want these films to get overlooked. I don't know if it was the pandemic or the way we consume film these days, but most of these teen films that came out were not really getting their fair shake. I wasn't hearing anything about them, and I don't know. I wanted that to change. We want to expose you to these film slumbers because we think you're going to love them. I say we because I am not embarking alone on this project. The teen films of the last couple of years through today need a little bit more nuance and passion. That's where our co-host comes in, Islin Addington. Welcome to High School Slumber Party AP. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Passion and nuance. I hope I can bring those things. <laughs> I, I do love uh, high school movies. I have uh, participated in High School Slumber Party before um, and enjoyed it. So I'm um, super excited to be here. If you are a Cage Club a larger Cage Club podcast person. You might have heard my voice on The Contenders, which is the podcast um, I do with my brother Tobin, as well as a short series called Why Aren't We All that I recorded pre-pandemic when I thought things were going rough in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Little did I know. Um, But so that is a seven episode, you know, six episodes with a bonus very best bonus episode of uh, folks who have a belief or practice that makes their world a little better and that could make the world a little better, perhaps if we participated with them. So if you're interested in those things, you can find me there. And I'm so excited to be here and to talk about um, these 
recent contemporary teen movies with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Aislinn. When I first thought about doing this project, you're the first person who came to mind. When you were on the uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower episode, I thought that was an awesome episode. I, you had such passion for it. But then, like, you know, we followed it up with Fired Up a couple, a couple of weeks after that. And such different movies, but your passion was equal. So I it was did. like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> if, if you can run the range like that, then, you know, I think we're going to have a lot of fun here. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. I, um, that's a very unique vote of confidence, but I will take it. <laughs> And then I just want to let the audience know for full disclosure that, like, we don't know each other too well. We know each other through probably doing these podcasts, appearances on each other's shows. So I'm really looking forward to uh, getting to know you a bit more through this podcast. I think that that's really fun. And that's another reason why I wanted to do this with you as well. Like, you know, I I have a a rapport with a lot of people. You host a show with your brother. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's like a... That's a rapport since That's birth, built essentially. In. Yeah, built-in rapport. <laughs> so I think it's just going to be fun to just learn about each other's movie tastes and, and the things we like and don't like and, yeah, and, and taking it from there. So, Aislinn, I know you've been on before and I know um, you've probably shared this, but just for maybe some first-time listeners, tell us a little bit about your high school experience and what you were like in high school. Sure. Happy to. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is I was queen of the band nerds in high school. Nice, nice. <laughs> and I I say that not to be um, conceited, uh, but to <laughs> sort of lay the the foundation of I was heavily into all the the concert band, pet band, jazz band, all the things, and I had a lot of fun in those spaces, and I'm grateful for that. I know not everyone had spaces where they felt safe and free and, you know, happy to express themselves, etc. in high school. I'm, I know I'm lucky to have that. And if there was a boy crying in the band room, people would say, where's Iceland? What'd she do now? <laughs> so there's a little bit of that. And then my other favorite thing kind of about my high school experience that comes to mind because I am currently in my childhood home uh, visiting my parents post-vaccination. I live on a street with uh, someone I went to school with since, you know, kindergarten. In high school, we were in kind of different social groups, right? Again, queen of the band nerds, a number of AP classes, that kind of thing. And then my friend, um, Tina, hi, Tina, was equally brilliant and uh, much more popular. And so (laughs) we had different friend groups. But in the evenings, when one of us needed to talk something out, we would walk this little circle in our neighborhood together. And it was so great to be able to unpack all of the teen dramas because this person was a person I loved and I trusted but was not in my day-to-day sort of same social circle. So that kind of not secret friends because people knew (laughs) we were friends, but those kind of um, undercover bonds are also um, close to my heart and something I, I really enjoyed in the high school experience. So, I love that because that sounds like something you'd see in a teen film. So Exactly. Perfect. Maybe perfect. that's why I love them so much. <laughs> <laughs> so on that subject matter, why don't you tell the slumbers out there, what are some of your favorite teen films growing up and even today? Oh my goodness. So today, right? Perks of Being a Wallflower. It's pretty well up there if folks have not listened to that episode and want to hear me 
geek out. Uh, <laughs> that would be one to revisit. Yeah, I just think that's great source material, top to bottom, love it. In the 90s, so when I was looking toward high school of like, what is this going to be? And what is it mm-hmm. like to be a teenager? I loved Hackers and Empire Records. Oh, yeah. So clearly, Band of Misfits of course. Um, is something that, that speaks to me. And then I was in high school in the era of She's All That, Never Been Kissed. So I, I think of it as very kind of pop-y, at least my experience was. It was pretty mainstream in terms of what movies I liked and enjoyed, although my brother, being the filmmaker that he is, would counter that with, you know, taking me to the little art house uh, movie theater mm. to see the four-hour Hamlet, you know, <laughs> on a Tuesday night or a French movie, a documentary about bugs. So well-rounded that way, but certainly I had a lot of uh, early 2000s uh, teen movie soundtracks in my Rolodex? What did you call the little book of CDs? Oh, yeah, like the CD book. I guess it's yeah. just a CD book, but those are awesome. I missed that. That was, you know, it was going to be a good road trip when somebody rolled up with like hands oh, yeah. full of those canvas <laughs> pouches. So, so yeah, those are sort of my, that's my era of teen film, I think. I love soundtracks now that you bring it up. I hope we talk about a lot of music here on High School Slumber Party AP. I don't know if you can see behind me, but I have my vinyl up there. Oh, yeah. The whole top shelf are movie soundtracks. Oh, fun. I love it. I'm into it. Um, (laughs) And then you grew up in a really great era for those kind of films, too. Not that all those films are great, but it's not just nostalgia, but a lot of those films have a, a certain quality about them that just... Reminds, I guess that is nostalgia, right? <laughs> Reminds you of growing up. So when I did my rewatch, I just noticed that a lot of the films of today, they were telling different stories. And I thought it was so cool that they were telling different stories. And that, again, that's big reason why I wanted to do this podcast and do this podcast with you. Absolutely. Welcome aboard. I'm so excited to start this. You know, I was on Contenders a couple weeks ago talking Moxie, which fits right in here with High School Slumber Party AP. And that's where we dropped the cool announcement that we'd be (laughs) doing this. So guys, check out that Contenders episode. And you know, if I'm starting there, that means you have some homework. (laughs) Already. Well, it is AP, right? Yes, of course. Expect it. And just because, you know, we're starting so beautifully doesn't mean you know, we're not going to have homework and we're going to have homework every time we do this. So FYI for right now, this podcast is going to be once a month, first Monday of every month. And yeah, we're just going to have fun with it. But of course we have our regular homework guys hit that subscribe button, whether it be Apple podcast, Google podcast, Spotify, or Stitcher. You can also check us out on the aforementioned cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me home of our archive, of course. Listen to that Perks of Being a Wallflower episode. Listen to that Fired Up episode. If you like Jennifer's Body, you probably don't <laughs> want to listen to that episode, but Sorry. you should anyway. I'm also the fun sucker. We're going to need to lay that groundwork as well. I will I will ruin things that, things that you love. I'm sorry. <laughs> and thank you so much, uh, Slumbers, for listening today. And of course, today we're starting out with a 2021 film, a film that sort of just came out and a film that, to me, perfectly encapsulates a lot of the reason, again, we wanted to do this. The Map of Tiny Perfect Things. It's on Amazon Prime for streaming. And it's another movie that I think maybe got lost a little bit in the shuffle. 
because it's not on Netflix, you know? Right. And, and that's something we'll talk about a lot in this series, um, just how we consume films today and why some of these films uh, get a little bit lost in the shuffle. Moxie, Moxie is being talked about a lot. A lot of the reason for that is Amy Poehler. A lot of the reason for that is it's on Netflix, which is three or four years ahead of every streaming service when it comes to just subscribers and people talking about it on the internet. Island for anyone who has not seen this movie, or maybe people who have, every week we read whatever way we're consuming it, more or less. Okay. But for these, they're going to be streaming things. So, Eisen, why don't you read the old uh, Amazon Prime description, if you will? Happy to. So, the map of tiny perfect things. Quick-witted teen Mark, played by Kyle Allen, is contentedly living the same day in an endless loop when his world is turned upside down by the mysterious Margaret, played by Catherine Newton, also stuck in the same loop. What follows is a love story with a fantastical twist as the two struggle to figure out how and whether to escape their never-ending day. Awesome, awesome. So uh, what, what's your uh, background with this film? I know probably not a lot, but uh, when did it first come on your radar, if it did at all? Sure. I have noticed recently, and this might dovetail into the conversation about the streaming wars. I don't know if they're warring the streaming <laughs> um, one-ups, one-ups personship. It's not a word. <laughs> I have found that Amazon recently, every time I try to watch you know, that same old season of Drag Race that I'm rewatching <laughs> shows me trailers when I log in for mm-hmm. Amazon, whether they be movies or, or um, TV shows. So this came through, the algorithm was right. And I had um, the first trailer I watched for this was through that just Amazon decided to show it to me. And I recognized Kyle Allen immediately. Oh, he, really? Yeah, he plays a kid in the sort of primary family unit in the Hulu program, The Path, which if you are, if you like cult slash new religious movement stuff, Mm. um, Michelle Monaghan, Hugh Dancy, and who's that guy everyone loves? Aaron Paul. Ah, Oh, I know what show you're talking about now. And so uh, Kyle is in that. It's one of those, I don't know if you do this too, Brian, but like when I'm watching something ensemble or something where there's, you know, the main story and the side stories, I sometimes will see a an actor who's not the main attraction, if you will, but like that's the person I'm following, or I sort of clock of them course. as like, oh, they're they're outstanding in this little piece, and so I had felt that way about him. I thought he he, um, I don't know how to say, he has a great face for acting, and I don't just mean like he's attractive, but he's very expressive and I think he gets a lot across and so um, I was excited to see him as the lead character and while there are a lot of other humans in and out of this movie really it is the two of them right that are are on screen constantly so I was excited about that and then we decided to do this project and it was on the list and so I thought okay let's start the most contemporary possible Mm-hmm. And with this one that I was already a little bit interested in. How about you? How did how did it come across your desk? Pretty similarly. I'm not even sure what I was watching on Amazon. Um, well, I'm always trying to keep my ear to the ground for these films, obviously, you know, with this podcast. But this one just, again, I'm on Amazon. I see it at the top. And I'm like, oh, okay, what's this? Watch the trailer. Boom. Write it on a list, you know. So Amazon was clearly very much pushing this film in these 
you know, streaming wars, I guess we'll call them. They're certainly warring for our attention. All the other ones, Hulu, I saw the other ones, you know, aside from Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, Amazon, they're HBO looking for Max. HBO Max. They're looking for these hits in every genre. Netflix has gotten a couple great and not so great teen movies that have become hits <laughs> for them, where they've been able to, you know, uh, just spin off series from a couple of them. They have a lot of also uh, teen dramas and comedy like series. So I know everyone else is stretching for that and looking for that because teens are such a great market. And, you know, teens at heart, too. They're a market who's going to stream a lot, especially in these days. Um, So I just felt like Amazon really put a a lot behind this movie. Like you said, almost everything you're watching on Amazon, they're throwing this trailer out there. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it necessarily worked. That was my next question for you was, you know, you've mentioned Netflix being ahead. And and just anecdotally, I feel that way, like that tracks for me. Do you have sort of subscription or viewership numbers? How how do we know that Netflix is ahead? This is so hard. Because they do not release the data, which is annoying. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I wish they did. I mean, we can just look at subscriber numbers for overall services. Sure. I mean, maybe for next time I'll pull those numbers up and have them because I think this is going to be an ongoing thing we're going to be discussing. Sure. But that's a weird thing, too. Like, in the traditional sense, a couple years ago even, if a film came out in the theaters, I guess we judged it a lot by how much money did it make, fairly or unfairly. Sure. Now you kind of just have to like read the tea leaves, see mm-hmm. who's sharing things on Twitter, see what articles are coming out about people and, okay. and taking it from there. But I mean, I don't know, especially with this genre, you can get a sense of what people are talking about. Like like Moxie, what we did mm-hmm. the other day. If you look on Twitter, people are talking about Moxie. Not Maybe not as much as they should be or other films. Sure. But I have almost, I've seen, not that I hang out with a lot of teenagers to be fair, but I haven't seen too many people mention this one at all Mm -hmm. usually what'll happen you'll get like one of the stars becomes a heartthrob or like the internet's boyfriend for the week you know and and we'll see that but not really seeing it here so again i don't know how successful it was but slumber is out there if i'm completely wrong about this and and this movie you know hit home with you or, or you really like it and your friends really like it please please hit us up on social media facebook instagram twitter I'll get back to you for sure because I want to know because yeah, that, that's the only way we're finding out. I wish they released the data. <laughs> and in this era too, I think it, it's pretty new, right? We picked a 2021. Mm-hmm. It is the third month of this year. Folks hopefully are still, you know, taking the health precautions they need to. And also as spring comes and vaccination comes, I know folks are stretching and, <laughs> and uh, you know, going back into the real world a little bit. I, th- I think there's still time for this, I guess is what I'm, my hope is that there's still time and that maybe, you know, with all the buzz we can generate, uh, hopefully more people will see it because I, I do think it has, um, you know, like you say, we're not talking about these movies because they're perfect, but we'll, I mean, we'll certainly get there, but I'm, I was impressed. I'll say I was, I was a little impressed. I think that you're going to get that feeling from not all these projects. Again, we've, te- we've teased this. Where, uh, we'll, who knows how you'll feel about the American Pie film. But uh, <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. But yeah. I think you're going to get that feeling from a lot of these projects because that's the feeling that I was coming out with where it's cool. like, again, wasn't perfect. But you know what? I was like, you know, yeah, they're doing things here that that 
not that they're innovative in incredible ways, but it just feels different a lot of times. Let's talk uh, production with this film. You'll find this too. Not a lot of notes in production for these these recent streaming things, even ones from like two years ago. They kind of just come and go, and it is what it is. Sometimes we'll hear more about them when the directors of them move on to the next project. What you'll see too in this series, and I, by the way, I won't always be talking like you'll see this, you'll see that. I think like you know, you, <laughs> we'll we'll right. get into it. I just feel like I, when I did my thing, I, I just learned so much. I want to share it. Uh, but one of the things I noticed is that these teen films a lot of times are the first films for emerging directors. They'll go on to do other stuff, sometimes in the genre, often not in this genre. I don't know why, but there's a big correlation between first film that Mm -hmm. uh, someone directs and a teen film for whatever reason. Maybe we'll find out why. Yeah, I yeah, I wonder maybe um, there's something straightforward, maybe a little bit earnest about it. Mm -hmm. And while you say it is a fantastic demographic, right? These are consumers of content. The stakes at least seem different. Maybe like it's if it falls under the radar. That could still be okay. You could still have that nostalgia. You could still have, you know, converse, cultivate conversation without it being, did, you know, did this big movie succeed or fail? For sure. Yeah, that's a really good point. It is one of the questions I have coming in because now we're we're focused on these streaming services and this genre. I'm hoping that it's opportunity for new voices in behind the scenes, you know, whether that be first time directors or... Um, you know, early in their career, screenwriters, things like that, um, hoping to see some more inclusivity than we do maybe in, what do you call, what do you call regular movies? <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but I definitely know what you mean. And I feel like that's... Rather than uh, blockbusters, maybe. Yeah. I feel like that's going to be the case. That's what I feel like, but we'll see. We'll track it too. Okay. Another note I had just production-wise is... This is not just like a movie that they're streaming on Amazon. This is an Amazon Studios movie. So they bankrolled the film more or less somewhere, right? And it looked good, Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny because the teen films as well, now that we bring this up, they usually don't have big budgets. I couldn't really find the accurate budget numbers on this one. But rarely do they, you know? Occasionally, if it's like... a Pixar animated thing obviously there's a whole budget that comes in with that or they do a really ambitious project but they're usually even this which is very sci-fi doesn't have a lot of crazy CGI happening or anything like that for for a movie with a lot of rules and stuff and a lot of a like I said sci-fi it's pretty grounded in its universe no I agree now before we get too far away from production you mentioned first-time directors so is this Ian Samuel's first featured? This is actually his second oh, okay. f- feature. So he actually directed a Netflix movie that went straight to streaming, which we might cover at some point because it is in 2018 and we will cover some films from 2018. It unfortunately missed the mark a bit and maybe that's why it should be one that we cover. But that was Sierra Burgess as a loser. Did you catch that one or no? Oh, uh, you know, I... I did not. I have not watched it, but I can see the uh, poster with like a band uniform. And there you go, band connection. So maybe we'll maybe we'll have fun with that there. I know it was a bit problematic. I can't remember why, uh, because it was 2018 and I saw it then. 
But it was uh, early on in Netflix's Let's Make a Bunch of Teen Film, and early on in this podcast's history as well. So this is his second film, okay. both in the teen genre, which is interesting, right? That he stayed in the genre. But he's, I wouldn't say this guy's a household name, Ian Samuels. So mm-hmm. go from Netflix to Amazon, another teen film. Um, this one, I think, is getting a lot better reception. So mm-hmm. good for Ian. And it is based on a short story by Lev Grossman. He wrote the screenplay. He makes a cameo in the film. Are you familiar with him at all? I'm not, but I... Because... You know, having watched it yesterday, who? what is his cameo? He is the person who, I believe, one of the characters pushes the other character away from getting bird poop on him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's him. So. Oh, fun. <laughs> uh, we always like to see cameos. That's a from... good, that's a great, that's a great director cameo, right? It's a memorable moment, but it did not involve them acting which sometimes yeah, yeah. is problematic. And, and, and he's the writer, so like even, you know, worse. Oh, pardon me, writer, not director. Yes, even yeah, even better to have it be a, a part with no lines. But again, memorable. And, and one of a number of instances where I felt like our main characters were dancing through their mm. map, through their lives in, yeah, in this really way call. that felt choreographed in order for us to understand it was a pattern. I found that pretty charming, the way that they interacted through other people rather than sort of with other people a lot of the time. So that's a great, great little cameo. For sure. And, you know, that's a fascinating way to put it dancing, right? Because it is like that. That's that's really on point. Lev Grossman, though, he wrote a series called The Magician's Trilogy, and that's particularly popular. I Again, I'm not, I wasn't familiar with him too much, but... I always like to note when the writer of the subject matter also wrote the screenplay. So that's pretty cool. Clearly, he was heavily involved. The big production note on this I was able to dig up was that they were shooting around this time last year, had only two days left to, to finish the movie, and had to shut down because of COVID. Oh, my goodness. Crazy, right? And they actually, you know, waited whatever. I don't remember how long it took for, like, Uh, people to start filming again Mm -hmm. but they actually waited that length and shot for two days and finished the movie when it was safe to do so or as safe as it could be masks and stuff whatever precautions hollywood's taking so that's super interesting i know a lot of movies um and maybe even someone will encounter going forward a lot of them have kind of stopped production and then had to eliminate scenes altogether sure. just because it wasn't in the cards anymore or, or mm-hmm. wasn't possible. I didn't read anywhere that that was the case here. I think with only two days, they figured that they could just wrap up those scenes, do what they got to do. So I don't think anything necessarily changed. Yeah. It would certainly depend, right? You know, there, are, there are a large number of scenes with the same, because we're doing the same day over and over again and like those patterns, you're going to need the same people for that. If it was an airplane day, that would be tough. But mm-hmm. if it was in the woods watching the eagle, that wouldn't be so tough, right? That would be only, you know, that you could do that with Bare Bones crew and it would only be the two actors. So I would be curious if we got to talk to anyone involved, if Ky- if Kyle Allen wants to be on our show, <laughs> I would be um, curious what kind of what those scenes were and if, if that played any part in it of like, okay, what are we missing and what are the logistics of, of the humans involved? 
but I hope everyone felt safe to be back. And I'm glad that they were able to do it because I, I think it's an efficient little film, right? It's just over an hour and a half, but it seemed to hang together pretty well, especially like you're, like you mentioned with the kind of sci-fi, I'm, would we call it magical realism or is it too magical for that? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's a, that's a good call. I think you could. I mean, it's all subjective anyway. Maybe not to a literary professor, but to us here. I mean, it is AP, I'm just saying. <laughs> that is a good point. That is a good point. Maybe we need to be a little bit more strict with that. <laughs> uh, and, and you mentioned uh, Kyle Allen, and I was going to ask if you'd seen him before. I had not. So, okay. but, but I thought the same things you were thinking. I'm like, wow, this guy's a really good look. Mm-hmm. Like, he just seems like, I don't want to say a movie star, but like, you're interested in him. You're right. He has a good facial reactions mm-hmm. and great mannerisms. The person who's, I think, uh, most famous to people today is Catherine Newton, who plays Margaret. Sorry, Kyle Allen plays Mark, and Catherine Newton plays Margaret. We talked about her here on High School Slumber Party and Blockers, but she's been in a lot, a bunch of stuff, too. Uh, Detective Pikachu was one. <laughs> Freaky is a 2020 movie that I watched for my little rewatch uh, with Vince Vaughn, horror film, mm-hmm. or kind of like a comedy horror film. She's just, like been in a bunch of stuff i know she's done a lot of tv work and um yeah uh, oh she's also in big little lies i wrote that down so right she's done a bunch of things oh quite a variety it sounds like yeah yeah she's she's very much working these days (laughs) were you familiar with her at all you know it was that that thing where i knew i knew her from something Mm. but it it took a minute to place um and so yeah certainly big little lies um and blockers i'm somewhat familiar with I apologize for having not listened to the Slumber Party episode of Blockers. Oh, no worries. But I had very low expectations going in and was delighted. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I love that movie. And okay. Cool. Just making sure. I, <laughs> just check. Wor- Again, we we're can just disagree. checking, we're right? Allowed. Yeah. <laughs> where, we're, where we're at with it. <laughs> of all the John Cena movies. <laughs> I had the same reaction. I didn't expect much. And I was like, whoa, this is actually really good. Yeah. So, yeah. We're big fans of Blockers here <laughs> on High School Slumber Party. In terms of the cast, not a lot of well-known names. And honestly, not a lot of cast, if you will. There's a lot of uh, extras and stuff and townsfolk and people. But Josh Hamilton is, I think, the dad. I was just going to say, the, the dad is pretty familiar. Yeah, we, we saw him in 8th grade, which was a, a great movie that yes. came out in 2018 that we talked about. Definitely in our wheelhouse. Already covered it, but still... Um, it's something and, and that... I think he he did great in that. Yes, yes right he as was like a sympathetic parent. <laughs> he was awesome in that. Al Madrigal, he played the um, the algebra the teacher. teacher. Yeah, yeah, we've seen him in a bunch of stuff too. Funny guy, awesome guy. I mean, well, I don't know how he is as a person. I don't don't quote me. I know that. someone who um, ran into him on vacation and said he was an absolute delight. Awesome, great. Yeah. <laughs> so we do kind of know him here. We kind of know how that goes. Um, and then Georgia Fox from the heyday of CSI. Yeah. Uh, who I saw in the credits, right? That was a name I recognized. There was a minute where Tobin and I were both like late to that party, and it was when folks were still like buying seasons of things on DVD. Like we rented a season of CSI on DVD <laughs> one summer night just to like burn through all the murder in Las Vegas. And so I'd seen a lot of her in a short period of time and then hadn't really. So I saw the name come up and I was like, oh, cool. And then I forgot about it 
until we don't truly see her till much later in the movie. Yeah, I was going to say. And so then, then it was kind of a shock, which, and we're not worried about spoilers. No, no. Don't, I mean. Okay. Because this is, this is a secret dead mom movie masquerading as a love story. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's funny because, not that that's funny, but it's funny because this is something that we will encounter a lot. I actually wrote these two questions down. So when I was doing my whole 2020 rewatch, two questions I almost always had was, is a parent dead? Is a teenager dead? Which, it happens a lot. Yeah. In the genre overall in, in teen movies, but especially recently, the other question that I always that we're always probably going to ask and talk about is, is it based on some kind of YA thing? Mm-hmm. I don't know if the short story is a YA short story. It, it seems like it would be. But even if it isn't, it is based on a short story, right? Right. This right. There's existing content. Yes. So this checks a lot of those boxes here. <laughs> and, you know, I'm eager to talk about your favorite parts of the movie, maybe things you didn't like overall scenes your overall feel of the film so let's get into it let's talk about this movie so uh what were your thoughts overall on like the opening because yeah we 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 open and we're we're in it right yes (laughs) i i thought that was great i was that was going to be my first my first comment was i think i've already said efficient once um so i'll try not to overuse it but we are introduced to this world and to Mark's familiarity with it immediately. And perhaps that's the only only way to do it. But I felt like, yeah, we were in it right away. We very quickly, or I very quickly understood, oh yes, he has done this so many times that he knows all the things. It was almost felt like Groundhog Day is going to be a reference point, right? And it's a reference point in the movie. They reference other movies. Is it What's the Tom Cruise one? Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow reference. and Groundhog Day are mentioned in the, in this uh, movie, so it it's reverent to those. But to me, it felt like we were jumping into the middle of Groundhog Day a little bit, right? I liked that we didn't have to discover it was the same day with him. He already knew. I felt like that was a great a great entry point. And then pretty quickly, I, I just I was impressed with the way they established these are the patterns. It happens every day. We understood that he was kind of in charge. And then very quickly, Margaret gets in the way of the beach ball once. And then that is what we discover with Mark of, oh, shit, something else is going on. And I thought that was a great way to get us into the story of the two of them. 100%. I mean, I love, again, I know we're not trying to use it anymore, but I <laughs> love when, when you said efficient because it's so true. Uh, we didn't have that like setup of why they're in this world or anything like that. I mean, we, we yeah. get a little bit of clues later, but it almost doesn't matter. I forgot about the trailer, so I, I didn't even remember that this was like what that movie was about. And 30 seconds in, I could figure it out. Yeah. It, which is amazing that they were able to be that effective in storytelling at doing that. And then just from, you know, watching all these teen films, they're kind of teasing something. I knew uh, Catherine Newton was going to be involved, so I'm, uh, it's not like right. her was a shock or anything. But they're kind of teasing that, like, maybe there's a romance with uh, the girl who falls in, in the pool or whatever. Right. Or, yeah, or he seems like to be, <laughs> we seem to see that, again, Groundhog Day kind of idea that he's learning each day what he needs to do to continue that conversation with her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yet... It, it, it never really develops into anything, which to me contrasts with 
the time he spends with his friend playing video games. Yeah. Hey, man. Hey. So I met this girl. Wait, wait, wait. You met a girl? No. When? A couple days ago. Dude, I saw you last night. You didn't tell me anything about the girl. I don't want to make a big deal. You don't have to make it a big deal. It is objectively Okay, so big. the point, it's just, is, it's the, the point is that I never used to say this kind of stuff before, but I feel like we have a connection. Okay, then if she won't go on a date with you, then just spend a day with her. Get that. Take her on a stealth date. Just you two hanging out. No big deal. And then bit by bit, by imperceptible degrees, things get more and more romantic. And that I loved because of, I think, the camaraderie of teen years. And not that, you know, certainly friends I have now that I did not know as a teenager are, are fantastic, awesome <laughs> people. But there is something about kind of who you're doing, you're growing up with. And I thought it spoke to his character that, no matter what, he showed up at his best friend's house. And even when that was really difficult because it's the same day and he's, and the times he's struggling with that, there was comfort there and there was like, I don't know, it, it, it made that best friend character really special. And then he is, you know, once Margaret eventually goes mm -hmm. there. I, it's hard uh, when there's, for me, in a movie like this where there is some like magic and some, not time travel, but time looping to sort of say at the beginning or the end because <laughs> time is so relative in, in this. But um, as things unfold, that character, the best friend character is pivotal, not just for Mark, but for like the timeline. And I, I really liked that. For sure. For sure. Like, that character was so cool because he felt like he could go to him no matter what, even though... He, he didn't know about what happened the previous day, right? Right. And that Because it's I your best friend. It's best friend. And he didn't judge him, really. Like, sometimes he would be like, oh, that's weird. I don't really know what you're talking about or anything like that. But he would still be a sounding board. And yeah. you're absolutely right, because he was his best friend. And I, I, I loved seeing that. Henry. Henry was the name of the best friend. Awesome. I was looking at it, too. Henry, played <laughs> by Jermaine Harris, who I think did a really great job. Because that, that's a cool thing to read for as an actor, right? Like, you're going to be sitting down playing video games this entire movie, and you're going to just be having these interactions. And you, right. you have to act like you haven't heard the last Yeah, thing, for know? you, it's the first time. And for your best friend, it's sort of the over and over again. Seems like a, what do you call it, like a an exercise, like college actors would, would do yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so at first, right, their goal is not immediately to get out, which I thought was also interesting that they and the way that they took their time. I mean, he in trying to get Margaret to talk to him, Mark went to a barbershop every day, you know, on the day that repeats and did something else wild with his hair. <laughs> and I'm assuming on those days they didn't necessarily meet up like so it felt like the train was running. Right. So once they're on the train together. And they're looking for these perfect things. What did you think of that idea of that, like the a perfect moment? And did you have a favorite? Ooh, that's a really good question. And again, I love how they, they're able to spin to that too. It reminded me of a kind of like a like a Mad Max or like a zombie movie that begins where we were like twenty or thirty years into the apocalypse, not the apocalypse mm. happening, so that you. As even as the viewer, you didn't necessarily think, how are they going to get out of this, right? 
yeah. you've just seen how they've just how are they living how are they surviving you know so when they end up meeting up it's you know they have a traditional meet cute as you said kind of with the the uh pool scene and when they start discovering what the movie's named after the map of perfect things the perfect things that happen around town it's not like crazy to me because they've who knows how many days i'm sure like there's some like math student counting how many days <laughs> they possibly have been in there or they would need to be in there but who knows how many days they've been in there right right and i just love the idea that each of them separately and eventually together have taken their time to notice these things that was so beautiful so enjoyed that i love the literal map of it what was my favorite that's oh, that's a good question let's see i mean the old people dancing was cute you know i can't say that that wasn't uh well what was your favorite not to turn it around yeah no that's a great question <laughs> um i of course immediately worried about this lost dog that was like eternally oh, lost oh i want to get into it i have that in my notes <laughs> okay great <laughs> we'll get to the lost dog so th- i think the idea of how they could intercede to sort of keep keep something bad from happening or help something kind of maintain something good i i liked i i think maybe the the turtle crossing the road oh the turtle that's a good one in part because of the reveal, because it's like traffic jam. And at first, I immediately thought, oh, there's been an accident. But that it's what appears to be like a biker stopped to take a picture and in my head, like, help the turtle off the road. It subverted my expectations. Mm. And then the other one, I would say it's not necessarily one of the things, but particularly as they're, they seem to be sort of arguing through the record store kind of thing and that sort of dance where they're moving and shifting things around and and sort of assisting people in such a matter of fact way that people kind of respond to them and ignore them at the same time Mm -hmm. so I guess that's not necessarily one of the perfect things but the way that they moved through the world on their tour of perfect things I, I really like to watch like you said it's a dance right like when they're in the supermarket or wherever they are and they just they've been there so much that They'll be talking, they're having conversations, serious conversations, they'll catch something in the background or or stop someone from tripping and stuff. I loved seeing that. And I I love journey movies like this, especially Mm -hmm. like when it's two people connecting that way. She describes it as, you know, kind of like Pokemon. Yes. (laughs) Collect (laughs) them all. Collect (laughs) them all. I thought that was so cool. And it also pivots from what the two of them were kind of doing before that, which was waiting on people's misery you know waiting for a silly thing to happen and some of it was funny but it also came from a a negative place inside them of being especially uh especially uh mark because you know just not even knowing why he's in this world and not even knowing why it's happening anymore it just moves in such a nice positive way when they're looking for this uh again the map of perfect things uh, it's super super nice it does get a little sci-fi-y which i wanted to ask you about i don't know if it necessarily mattered so much i mean it mattered to what happened in the end i suppose but i don't mm-hmm. i'm not gonna say i didn't care but i was enjoying the movie regardless of the science behind it if oh, you will sure. <laughs> yeah so what was it like there's like a, f- a fourth dimension they were talking about oh we should talk about her his aspirations and her aspirations. Yeah. I always love to talk. Yeah, because they're integral to it as well. And then I have a question because there is something I don't understand and I want to help with. So we're, we we learn pretty quickly that Mark 
wants to go to an art school. He wants to be an artist. And that there is tension around that in his household. We don't know why at the beginning, but it turns out that, you know, his dad has been laid off and is now working on a passion project. And so like the financial, I think not only the financial concern right now, but like financial stability is where the concern is coming from. He's not meaning to be dismissive of Mark's aspirations, but because of where he is in the world, he is. And then that's something that Mark hears every day. So I think that it makes it kind of bigger in Mark's mind or in his self, because in this 16 hours, he knows his dad's going to, you know, shit on his dream every day. And we see that, right? The difference is that, like, we see how Mark's day starts. We see him independently. And we don't until much, much, much later see Margaret independently. That switch when Mark says, I thought it was about me, but it's not. It's about Margaret. I got the I got the goosebumps from that. I got the I got the goosies. That was my favorite part of the movie, and I thought that was so creative and awesome. And uh, we, again, we mentioned Groundhog Day, Edge of Tomorrow. There's a movie Palm Springs that came out earlier this year. That oh had yeah, similar, I keep meaning to watch that and haven't. Similar premise, you know, living. In, this is something that I'm sure has existed since sci-fi has existed. Living. Uh, The same day over and over, probably before that, you know, living the same day over and over again. I think this was one way that they kind of made it different. Not that it's any sci-fi related, but we enter the story through Mark and we kind of think it's this true. And not that it was bad because I do love some of these. We kind of think think it's this tropey boy meets girl romance. And, you know, how is he going to get the girl? How is he going to kiss the girl kind of thing, which we've been seeing for years. Right. Right. And look, if you if you do something right, then. Or like, you know, enjoyable. Sure. Sure. It, it could be great. So I'm not like trying to shit on that. But when it does that switch, when he says like, you know, I'm essentially, I'm not the star of this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, this is not my story. This is someone else's story. And it, it, it kind of becomes like that for the viewers. And you're like, oh shit. That's, you yeah. know, uh, it, oh, I, I'm, I'm with you. I got the chills. I'm like, this <laughs> is cool. This is what makes this movie cool. So sorry. I got a sidetracked there. Um, that's how we roll here. That's how we roll. So uh, Mark wants to be an artist and he truly creates the map of tiny perfect things which he has to do every day right because at midnight it resets to how that day began so anything he would produce he has to produce over and over again mm-hmm. um no 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 I... what is this no It's work in progress. You made a map of everything the whole day. All the perfect things. But you must have just done it like this morning. Oh, I draw pretty much every day. Wow. Boys are so weird. It's really good. Maybe you should go to art school. This is going to sound stupid, but I, uh, sometimes I think if I st- Stare at it long enough, I'll find something like a, a pattern. Hmm. I never do. That does sound pretty stupid. Well, okay. And treehouse, two words. <laughs> he made a map of us. Too bad I was just gonna get erased. <laughs> it's too bad. And we learn quickly after meeting Margaret that she wants to be uh, an astronaut, specifically a mission specialist. Yeah. That's what she said. And that the idea of a fourth dimension 
is something she has contemplated most of her life, it sounds like. Yeah. It does come together toward the end where she uses the map he made along with her understanding of the fourth dimension to figure out how for them to get out. Now, to be honest, and I think you sort of said this a little bit, I didn't care exactly how it worked out, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm with you, yeah. What they did in this movie seemed reasonable for <laughs> something that was magical, right? <laughs> and And I felt like they'd earned it, they had built the world, and then used the tools that they had created in the world to solve their problems. So I was fine with that. My question is about when they're on the, they get on a plane. They, uh, at one point after talking to Al Madrigal, um, Mark's like, if we go over the international dateline, it will like break the spell, if you will. Mm -hmm. And Margaret at the last minute gets off the plane. Like she won't do that. And what seems to me is that after Mark does that, small things do start to change. The day continues to go over and over again, but there are small changes, question mark? Or how did you interpret, did that change their world or not? I was actually a little confused by that as well. Not enough to like take me away from the movie or like make me mad or anything yeah. like that. But I was also pretty confused by that. So yeah, so when he goes to Al Madrigal, uh, who's the algebra teacher, he's kind of getting like theories about how to break this. And one of them is just a theory that like, if they are stuck in a loop because I don't know, the earth's out of orbit or anything like that, that if he crosses the line, he can, you know, reset everything. Like it might be up to them to save the world. Right. When he does it, you're right. Like I thought it just failed, but he immediately notices some differences, right? He knows it's Mm -hmm. the same day, but his sister doesn't, um, you know, I forgot what she calls him a loser or something yeah. at, at the table. By the way, one of my favorite teen tropes always is wiser than her years younger sister. Absolutely. Love <laughs> I, I love a little sister. <laughs> I've, I've built my career on it. No. <laughs> I mean, my podcasting career. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, great to see that here. So, yeah, I mean, I tried to look that up, too. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of, again, scholarship on this. Okay. I tried to get like the cheat cheats on it. Like, yeah, else, if they had they had figured it out. All I know is that after that, he kind of does have a realization where he's going to do things for other people rather than him. Right. Yeah, I think it's part of that positivity thing you were talking about. So they they certainly look for positive things in those perfect moments. And then after that experiment and after Margaret leaves and, and seems they seem to not meet up in the same way after that, not only is he kind of visiting the perfect moments, but he's participating Yeah. in a way that he didn't before, which gets us to the an understanding of what's going on with Margaret because he joins the skate rats, <laughs> which he was making fun of at the beginning. Exactly. I think what this movie does really well is the show don't tell concept mm. of Mark doesn't have to tell us that he learned that the skate rats are people too and they have a community <laughs> and they're really welcoming and really quite positive amongst each other. We we just learn that experientially through one scene, right? But I, I don't know. I maybe I'm um enthusiastic because I just watched it, but I feel like that's one example that of something that they do throughout the film and do really well is they're not hitting us over the head with it. They're showing us. There's a lot of show in this film and it makes it interesting to talk about here on this podcast with you because so much of it 
is visual that that's sure. happening and so much of it is happening in the background um and the skate thing is a perfect example of that he starts out like like we all can be sometimes just like haha you know mocking mm-hmm. them and then he becomes a part of them and that's when you were mentioning you know he breaks his hand i believe or his wrists and that's when he, uh, we kind of get our big reveal in the hospital there because they've been teasing i guess he thought it might have been her like boyfriend Right. Someone who worked at the hospital. There's a, a medical student that calls and there is a hard stop when she needs to leave every day. That's independent of whatever the time anomaly. And I feel like, what is the phrase they use? A temporal anomaly? Temporal anomaly, They use anomaly, that yeah. phrase a lot. And when one of them, when either of them say that to Henry, he doesn't question it he's like oh okay i mean he doesn't believe them necessarily but also like i just don't know if that would have been a phrase that i would have taken in as a teenager <laughs> been like what are you talking about what's a temporal anomaly i i thought that too and the only thing that like justified it to me maybe justifies too harsh of a word but he plays um his uh what's it called he plays his video oh, games the game. and the Back. you know Clearly, things are rooted in that world in those games, yep. you know? So I just imagine That's that somewhere in the gaming yeah, sphere that he was aware right. of that somehow. Yeah, He certainly okay. seemed like it would be more aware of that than his sister. Though I do enjoy his sister's, you know, like I said kind of pep talk at one point yeah that's i mean that's part of the thing too right is at first when we meet mark he is going through the motions he's anticipating the things and he's not listening Mm. and so one of the things he sort of learns through it is he stops and listens and and part of that is you know figuring out truly what's going on with his family he skates he breaks his arm and then that gives us a look at what margaret is doing every day at six which is going to the hospital because her mom is passing away. And that that revelation, I mean, of course, just changes kind of the tone of everything. But that's a tough, I mean, to be stuck in that day of losing someone. Every time you woke up, you had time left. But every day is the day that they leave. Yeah, it's tough. It's profound. And more than I expected this movie to be. It's not like a pull wool over your eyes in like a trickery kind of way, but... Mm-hmm. Like we said, they're setting it up where it's really like Mark's story, and then it's not Mark's story, and then mm-hmm. all her actions make sense. And it's not, again, not the typical story like, oh, you know, I just want to be friends, and like, oh, why don't you like me? You know, we get some right. movies that could be good like that. We get some movies that could be really bad like <laughs> that, right? Because they, they do seem to click. They do seem to connect. But, the, you know, it's cool that if they were just going to be friends anyway. And he, I, I don't know, he's a teenager, though. He's trying to kind of understand. And then... Uh, Not that his character doesn't matter, his character extremely matters, but then once we see that, like you said, it's so profound thinking about what her everyday is and the time she does spend with Mark, where earlier in the movie, not that it seemed, it did seem a little insignificant because you were like, oh, where is she going? And she doesn't seem like she cares a lot. But then when you realize what's happening, you're like, oh, every second she spends with Mark Mm -hmm. is special because it's a way from her mom who, you know, is dying. It's her last day that right. she has to relive over and over again. And, you know, she never also avoids it either. She always goes back there to that moment. And it makes so much sense when she gets off the plane. Right, because at that point, she was not ready to lose that time. Yeah, it's, uh, like I said, it's more clever than I, gave it, than I anticipated it would be. My second question to you, 
is also Mark related then. We understand, well, I don't know. I understand why that happened in the scaffolding that the movie builds, why that happened to Margaret. She wanted more time. She want like she, in a little bit of that kind of Freaky Friday wishing for it, she inadvertently wished for this to happen is how I understand her to be in there. Why, why did Mark get stuck in the same day with her? Do we know? Do you know? I, I don't know. I don't know. My guess was that, again, this is a teen film here, but like maybe they're, and I'm using this lightly, not that I believe in this, like maybe they're kind of meant to be, you know what I sure. mean? Yeah. That if she was stuck in that moment, she would have never have been able to continue her life and her life with Mark. Again, I, again I'm not agreeing sure. with all these But like, yeah, no, that but... if there's a counterbalance in the universe that could bring her to a, a place to move past it right and that and that's even hard in the moment that she does like mm-hmm. she understands she needs to move forward in a way that we all do when you know losing someone close to you is universal for right? sure because we're all here temporarily so so we have to be able to move on and so I would buy that he is kind of that counterbalance in the universe that would allow her to get to a place where she could move on sure i think that's what they're trying to tell us at least i i imagine that if she had not made the wish or whatever she did to cause that to happen or cause this you know day to keep repeating itself um i imagine that well okay uh, side question they go to the same high school it's the same. It seems like the same small town, but they don't really know each other that well. It's, it's one of these weird things we see sometimes. I I guess I wasn't sure if he was going to a high school every day or if he was going to like a community college campus because it was summer school. So I didn't know if it was either of their actual high school. Gotcha. She she was in high school. I confirmed that, so we can put okay. It. But I don't know if they were in school together. You know what I mean? He might. Oh have yeah. Been. They, yeah. They don't seem to know each other. He might have been a little, like, a year older or something. Sure. I'm not terribly sure. And, guys, if we miss the mark and they're college yeah. seniors and we ruin it, doesn't matter. Okay. No, is... no, because he's 17. <laughs> yeah, oh, true. They're... Yeah, yeah, he's 17. Good they're call. in high school. Um, <laughs> good, good call. Yeah, I they are sure high school age. Yes, they're high school age. Uh, again, I wasn't sure about the, like how they knew each other before this, but I had imagined that if she had not uh, wished this upon... Uh, have one more day with her mom that she and Mark would have met each other that day and uh-huh. like normally gotcha. you know? oh, maybe not all the other things would have happened but yeah. that by delaying the inevitable she was missing meeting someone who ended up being it's a weird thing in high school yeah. slumber party because you know we see all these teen romances they're together forever and then happily ever after yeah you take a step back you're like whoa really do you want to be with that person your whole life you're 17 sometimes you can meet people after high school it does happen (laughs) yes yes exactly but in the world of this movie like she was delaying a lot her whole life and you know her being an astronaut or mission specialist or whatever uh and mark was just one of the catalysts that perhaps would help her get through it that's how i saw it i could be completely wrong but yeah did you have any different thoughts it was kind of what I was left wondering, and I haven't decided if the movie is confusing or if I was confused. Like, I'm perfectly fine having missed something like that. It happens a lot. So I don't, I don't necessarily want to blame it on the movie, 
And also they had to wrap up something that they built that was pretty complex mm-hmm. fairly quickly. So, you know, if, if Lev Grossman called up and, and explained it to me and it was very different, I would say, okay, great. I still liked the movie. As you said, it wasn't like, those aren't the parts that like, I'm not going to my friends talking about this movie right. and saying like, oh, you got to watch the sci-fi elements yeah. here, the fourth dimension. Um, no, the, the more human pieces resonated so mm-hmm. that, that didn't have to for my taste, but for I, I'm with you on that one for sure. What did you think though of, I guess the romance of the of this film? Um, we do get a lot of these stories, but maybe yeah. they don't age well in 2020, 2021. Of like guy chasing girl, I got to get that kiss. You know what sure. I mean? Sure. I think that this is the moment right now, and I don't want to miss it. you feel about that yeah i i think it's a great question i sometimes am disappointed when it sort of comes back to that and i i understood when mark was trying to build that moment because they were on this quest for perfect moments Mm -hmm. um and so to build her a you know cardboard space odyssey was you know charming I'm trying to decide how I feel. Um, so yeah, it wasn't my favorite aspect of it, but also, like you said, they do they do connect. They seem intrigued by each other. They seem to be a good pair in conquering this day together. And so, in terms of whether or not they would have a romantic relationship or not, you know, I'm I'm fine with either way. I was disappointed in that final perfect moment in like how the kiss happened. It felt awkward to me. One of them was talking (laughs) and like went in for it. It was like the second kiss was better than the first kiss kind of thing, which frankly is often pretty true, right? (laughs) That's a good, that's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) But, but I guess I was hoping for a moment that felt like the Eagle moment or like the, you know, a older couple playing cards or those other ones that really had that, like take your breath away. Yeah. And the guy with the wings on the van. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't, when they, when they kissed, I didn't feel that. What, where I did feel it was when they left the hospital. Right. Mm. Cause then he goes with her to be with her at this really pivotal moment. But also it's a moment that she's done so many. I mean, that's what that's, I'm still kind of wrapping my head around that. Like, would you want someone there? But by that point, she's done that day so many times. I just thought that maybe him coming with her just is like the one thing that made it different because she seems like, yes, her days are different, but when she sees her mom die, they're yeah. always the same because, and she she does that on purpose, right? She leaves right. at the same time, goes there at the same time, and and it's oh. the same that way. So I maybe, see. So she changed and didn't go to the hospital till later. Yeah, or something along those lines, right? Like something yeah. along the lines where the her processing it was different because she had someone there with her, 
Whereas every other time she processed it alone. We don't hear of like, I don't know I if she has, a, I don't know if she has a father in her life or, or a mother in her life or someone else, you know, it seemed right. like a single parent, single child family there. Cause we didn't see any siblings yeah, there either. Sort of what we're led to believe. So just having that one person there who cares about her was important and, and, and kind of a, to backtrack a little bit on what you were saying, Aislinn, in terms of that, uh, that last perfect moment, I kind of yeah. agree with you there. I don't know if it matched up to all those other things, but a couple things made that okay. And yes, it's everything that happens after, but also again, the, the like the moment in the in the gym where he builds the whole thing for her and he's expecting certain things. I think that part is justified by the fact that he realizes he's not the main character cuz I was thinking it in in my head if I were him he's like, "You know, I've been kind of being a little bit of a selfish asshole the entire time and really I'm just going to do my thing, be try to be a good person." Right. Not be so pushy like that. I respect her. I understand her. And obviously he sees the reasoning too. He doesn't sure. just come to that conclusion by himself. But if it, if the movie was just building to that and she was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. I love you now. Then right. that would have been so much worse to me. But the fact that they were able to not undo it, but he realized that he was kind of doing a little too much. That That was nice to me. But you're right. After that moment, when they go to the hospital, when... And we, I, I promised we'd mention him, but we haven't mentioned Chewbacca. You know, when she sees Chewbacca. Chewbarca. Chewbarca, yes, Chewbarca. <laughs> she sees Chewbarca. And, you know, returning the dog or, or the yeah. moment when, when she's even speaking, she has the dog and she's speaking to Henry. You know, yeah. she's coming to realizations. Like, these are moments when it becomes her story that regardless of these, like, little things I do have questions on, my heart is warm at this point and I'm enjoying totally. the ride. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I like to see her once um, Mark sort of realizes that he's not, he doesn't have the range of this day. Also that there's a huge sacrifice in there too of him saying, it's not my story, it's hers. And I will stay out of her way so that she can have this time. That I mean, that's really, that's huge too, right? Mm-hmm. Would you stay in the same day forever? so that someone else could have that moment that they're over and over again that they can't let go of, right? That's that's kind of huge. Yeah. And in the movie allows us to go on a journey with Margaret that we haven't gotten to before, which I think this is u- movie's unique in that in that last act we're kind of following a completely different map, if you will. <laughs> Of mm-hmm. tiny perfect things than we did for the first two thirds of it to end up in the same place but a different place. I like this movie. I did as well. I, I'll watch it again. It's good. And this this is one of those movies again. I hope people people yeah. uh, watch they they listen to this episode or hear us talk. If for about no other it. reason than to help us unpack the magic sci fi bits that we don't understand. Yeah, I'd love to hear what people <laughs> are thinking when it comes to that because maybe that's above our pay grade, but. You know, I think in terms of a teen film, it had a lot of great elements and a lot of elements that are very 2020, 2021. I don't know if you see that kind of switch in an 80s teen movie. Right. I I don't. And I I like seeing elements like that. And, you know, we can't we have to note, too, that this movie's positioned like a guy's love story, you know. Sure. And it's really just the story of this, you know, young woman's heartbreaking, heartbreaking journey every day through this. Again, I, I think that part, that aspect of it is just so awesome. Um, was there any other 
besides, again, the cuteness of Chewbacca, was there any other things that we should mention um, in terms of the movie or should we get to our kind of a questions and awards? Yeah, I, th- I think we've we've hit all the all the things that I wanted to either gush about or ask about. Um, I'm excited for awards. So who was this movie made for in your mind? Um, so just a little background on this question. I'm someone, obviously, who watch all teen films, teen films that are made for tweens, teen films that are made for much older crowd, like looking back. But these movies are coming out today. Like literally, this movie just came out um, 2021. Was this movie, you think, made for adults, made for teenagers, made for tweens, or made for everyone? Or another category? The feeling I got from it was that it was geared toward a teen audience and had elements that everybody could could enjoy. And I, and I say that in part because of the way that they interact with the parents. Mm. They're both confronting like the humanity of their parents, which to me is an integral part of growing up of that all the all these adults, all these people around you, are also like just human. And so that to me felt felt kind of very in the teen zone. And like you say, there are those of us who have not been teenagers for quite a while that um, still enjoy this kind of story. So I would say teens and then everyone. What did you think? I'm with you. I Especially for what we're doing on this podcast, I like framing things that way too, because I think if something was made for teenagers, then it's kind of different than if it was made, like in terms of grading it and discussing it. And it's not talking down teenagers, but they have concerns, like you said. But there are a lot of teen films, I say this, that are made, well, A, for that generation of tweens, if you will, looking forward to going to high school. And there are a lot of teen films that are really kind of for adults. Um, Not that teens can enjoy them either, but they're just marketed for adults and they have more adult humor, if you will. Blockers is more adult and teen Whereas Kissing Booth is more like teen tween. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, perfect examples there. This, I'm with you. I think it definitely was for teens. I think they were looking to get teens to watch this. But there's so much that everyone can enjoy here. Uh, So I 100% agree with you on that. So just some of the questions of these questions I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. Is it based on YA? Probably. You know, again, I never read the short story, but it is based on those source material i don't think we saw a dead teen right i'm not aware of a dead teen in this film no but but certainly we have a (laughs) we have a mom a mom dying dead parent so yes that does have dead parent and we'll continue to track this because we'll see the majority will fill a lot of those three questions gotcha some all three unfortunately i don't want to say unfortunately because it doesn't mean the story is necessarily bad but we'll get a lot of dead teens i'm not gonna lie Uh, (laughs) okay so Awards, if you will. Yeah. Most likely to succeed, Aislinn. Let's discuss who do you think won the movie? Who comes out on top at the end mm. of the day here? If we have to pick one. For me, whether I like it or not, I think it sort of has to be Mark in that he is who introduces us to the world mm. and then you know, relinquishes sort of control that it's not his story. And that sacrifice gets us to where we needed to be in the end. So in that sense, I, I would I would go Mark, but I could be persuaded. 
Wow. Margaret. <laughs> Mar- I mean, I was thinking, you know, it, it probably is Margaret. But you know what? I think you persuaded me. You know, <laughs> I think it might be Mark. Let's let's go with Mark. Interesting. We could we could you know each write a different essay for <laughs> AP and and probably both get an A um, with a different answer. For sure, but I, I like your Mark idea. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, so Wooderson Award, and just want to explain all these awards. If you're just an AP listener, for example, and you're not sure, uh, we give these awards. Hi, mom. Out. <laughs> we give these awards out on High School Slumber Party. They're named after famous. Um, characters in teen films. Uh, Wooderson is a character in Dazed and Confused, played by Matthew McConaughey. He was only supposed to be in one scene, but the director, Richard Linklater, liked him so much, he added him to a lot more scenes and a lot more pivotal moments in the film. So, Aislinn, if not necessarily if you're in the director's chair, but just story-wise, is there a character here you would have liked to have seen a little bit more of? Uh, sure. I think uh, uh, Mark's little sister. Absolutely. Um, That's who I had. That's who I had. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I think, you know, Henry, the best friend, we do get a lot of time with. If we look through this, the loop of their day and what we see more than once, we see Henry many times. And so I would say a little more of um, the little sister, but I am biased um, as a little sister myself. <laughs> But that was my pick, too. It just, I don't know. She was so interesting. Loved her. Yeah, she was great. The opposite award we give out. I don't even know if I want to call this one an award, but it is. It's kind of an award of shame. But, you know, modern movies don't have this so much, so it's kind of tweaked a little. This is the Long Duck Dong Award. Famously in 16 Candles, Long Duck Dong is a terribly racist character that the film would probably be better if the character was deleted entirely. I don't know if there's anything like that in here, but... You know, we expand the question a little. Is there a character in here that we didn't need? A character whose omission in mm. the film might make the film better? I think this is a, a succinct little story. And I they seem very intentional about what interactions they show mm. us. And so thinking about even the, you know, young woman we meet at the very beginning that he tries to interact with, um, you know, in several loops. I learned something about Mark and about this day from that. And so I, there's nothing that comes to my mind. Um, how about you? That's, there wasn't anyone on my radar, to be honest with you, for those exact same reasons. I don't think we'll always agree on everything, by the way, if you're listening. Yeah, I know, right? But, but you're right. It's such a tight movie in that kind of sense. And just the world that they've built doesn't really lend for that. They didn't have like a, if there was a third character in there, kind of just like, you know, living the day over and over again, maybe. Sure. But the other characters are quite literally accessories because they're just doing their thing and living that day without any yeah. any possible memory of the day before. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Oh, the next question I'm really excited about, and ooh, I didn't do my homework. I got to think of this one on the fly. This was your suggestion, Aislinn. Extra credit assignment, only... For High School Slumber Party AP. <laughs> if you could recommend a classic teen movie to a character in this film, what would it be and why? At the beginning of the film, that Mark, I might recommend Ferris Bueller's Day Off because Mark has the attitude he sort of carries when we meet him and his charming self is that he's got the same time, but he's got the same time over and over again. And he doesn't seem to be feeling urgent about that Mm. and so i i think he might enjoy ferris bueller and 
if I was kind of more seriously picking something um, for extra credit, I might suggest he read or watch A Wrinkle in Time. Oh, good call. Because I think that also has fantastical and and the journey. I mean, there's there's certainly more in that, but there is that science and family and what um, draws us together and pulls us apart. And so I feel like he might get some clues to the situation or, or Mar- Margaret could as well if they read A Wrinkle in Time. Good call. I like that. Book recommendation, little movie recommendation. Movie or book. I mean, you know, high school. You stumped me on this one. Oh, I, I, no. <laughs> I have to. I was thinking Can't Buy Me Love. Oh, yeah. It just it feels like it's in the wheelhouse for these characters. I, I'm not sure why, but I, I think, you know, they could learn some lessons from it. I think the characters in yep. Can't Buy Me Love can learn some film lessons from this film, too. So maybe they should watch each other's movies and take there it from there. <laughs> 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 um, okay, so, ooh, the... The interesting question every week, where we gotta we gotta make a statement on the film. We we gotta do it. Report card grades here. Every week we grade the films on an A plus to F scale, just like at a good old report card, a high school report card. Here, uh, I always mention though that Rotten Tomatoes, uh, the Rotten Tomatoes score, which is seventy eight percent thumbs up by critics, seventy five percent by the audience. Now, Letterboxd, home of the film nerds. 3.3 yeah. out of 5, which is a pretty good score on there. They're, they're pretty is strict. Is it? Okay. Yeah, things in the threes I found are good, and especially okay. for, for, if you hit four, it's rare for a teen movie to hit four. Really? Like, okay. Oh, oh yeah. Um, I'm going to keep, thanks for including that. I'm going to keep watching that because I'm not as familiar with Letterboxd. And I thought 3.3 3. 3 out of 5, I was like, oh man, I liked it more than that. So I, I thought that. So when I did yeah. my big thing. Of uh, at the end of 2020, I was like, "Oh man, I like this movie, but it only got 3.1, or oh, it got a 3.6." And then, you know, the Godfather of Cage Club podcast network, Joey Lewandowski, hit me up, you know, slipped slid into my DMs and was like, "That's really good on Letterbox, so don't worry gotcha. about it." Okay. If you're hitting Thanks, in the threes, Joey. yes, thank you, Joey. We can't think of it as like a C, like 3.1 right. is not a C. Nothing hits five on Letterboxd. Okay. And fours are like, you know, like like Oscar movies. Not that I agree with those choices always either. But um, I hear you. But you'll also notice as we do this series, a lot of these movies that I think you and I will enjoy won't get hits in the 90s all the time from uh, Rotten Tomatoes. And a lot of it comes from what some critics claim is the derivative nature of these teen films. Like we've Mm. seen this before. We've seen this before. You read a lot of reviews. They're like, Oh, you know, a movie about a day repeating itself. We've seen that before, but it's like, you know, I watched a lot, a lot of these films, a lot of things repeat. It's how well you execute it. And I think this film executed it well, but I don't want to step on your toes. Islin. I'm giving you that Manila card. I'm, I'm passing you the red pen, a plus to F scale. What will you grade? I would give it a solid A. And and I think 78 Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 78%, almost 80%. That feel that feels about right to me. I could see where, you know, the cinema crowd, um, <laughs> this might not be for them. And and like we said, it's not it's not perfect. It doesn't all um I, I can't tell you how it all worked or didn't work, you know, um, in this conversation, but I enjoyed it very much. I would give it a, a solid A. 
I'm giving it a close score. I'm giving it an A minus. Okay. P- pretty much for those same reasons. I want to give a little room for some other films we're going to watch to maybe be A's. Good but point. the feeling I got after watching this film was of overwhelming joy. You know, and that that's what a movie should be about. Well, maybe not always. There's going to be movies that teach us different things and, sh- and you know, give us different feelings. But I, I, right. I felt this film, you know, like I... I like you said, I got goosebumps at certain moments, and I was into it, and loved the runtime too, hour thirty something, and it didn't feel like it dragged. So, a minus. I highly recommend you guys watch it though, especially if you're into this genre. I think we started at a really great place. Yeah, I agree. So, on high school slumber party, I ask a very silly question to my guests, but you are co-host here, so we're going to be asking each other this mm-hmm. every week. Uh, Sleeping bag. So you and I were at this slumber party, <laughs> and we want to th- we want to bring theme sleeping bags to the movie today. We want to theme our sleeping bags to the aesthetic or anything that the map of tiny things inspired us to. So, Aislinn, you go first. What does your map of tiny things sleeping bag look like? I mean, it's it's not particularly uh, creative, but I think it's got to be that space, that galaxy type. Um pattern that I I based on my experience recently on college campuses with with young people there's a lot of that deep blue deep purple galaxy Mm. sort of background um so I'm sure that that sleeping bag does exist that's good it's grounded (laughs) reality I love it what what are you what are you gonna bring so I was thinking of maybe just literally the map but um... (gasps) oh yeah yeah. That's cute, but maybe that'll be my lining, you know, on the inside. Ooh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> the outside, you know, we didn't really talk about it, but they do those, like, transitions between the days where we see, like, kind of, like, color spill and then random memories. I'd like to see the movie again to see if there's, like, a correlation between what those memories are. Because they're different every time, and I wasn't exactly sure. I'm sure there is. You know, directors yeah. don't do things because of nonsense or anything. But I'd love to figure out what that correlation is. But yeah, I want it to look like those colors and maybe some cool memories or scenes from the movie. Nice. Yeah, I think that's great. So this is my favorite question every time I get to ask somebody. And by the way, just if you're curious, we are going to occasionally have guests on High School Slumber Party AP. Absolutely. We'll do some on our own as well. But, uh, Aislinn, because this is, you know, your first kind of time here co-hosting with me officially, uh, I'll leave you to answering this question. But I think eventually I'll have picks and you'll have picks. Absolutely. I'll ask you these questions next time. It'll be great. Great. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) But this question, always my favorite every week. You and I are in the magical, magical blockbuster that exists in the sky. Or maybe the last one in Oregon, which... Uh, Netflix, ironically, <laughs> has had that documentary, which I haven't seen yet. But um, but we're in this magical blockbuster that has every movie that has ever existed. And I know we stream this one, but we want the hard copy. <laughs> we know that we are watching the map of tiny perfect things at our slumber party together. But we get to that front counter, and we see the sign. And the sign says, rent two movies, get one free. And I say, Island, I'll save our place in line. Go to the back. <laughs> Pick two other movies. We're having a three-movie slumber party today. What are those two other movies? Okay. I think the first one would be Time Bandits. Of course. Mentioned in the film. referenced in the film and is, you know, uh, wild, rough around the edges. Very different than this 
very <laughs> movie, but but related and um, you know that perfect in its own way. Like bad movies can be at a slumber party, right? Because it's about the atmosphere and of course. and the you know the friendship and the you know all the kind of other things that are going on. So Time Bandits, I think, would be one. And then um, because of I I agree. I ended this movie with a good feeling, but it was also heavy, and and we had that parent parent death. Um, so I, I would want to add, um, another sort of teen film that was like kind of just popcorn. So thinking of now it's weird. Cause I might say when I haven't seen that's allowed, I'm that's thinking allowed. Netflix is prom. Oh, which just the came prom. Out recently, yes. Yes. That is campy and over the top and. And again, I haven't seen it, so this is an, an ignorant um, recommendation, but seems like that'd be a great movie to fall asleep to at a slumber party after we've watched the ones that we want to watch and like learn from. Is that accurate or did I am I misjudging that movie wildly? Well, Aislin, I, I'm glad I'm glad you bring that movie up because I, I was thinking about this, and I feel almost bad that we'll be starting this show, but there were so many other teen films from the last couple of years that we're not probably not going to cover because I already covered on my regular feed. Just for like the sake of education and AP, I'd love you Please. to. I'd love for you to see some of them. So love it. This is going to be kind of the special Island assignment okay. every month. I'm going to give you another teen film that we've already covered. You're okay. going to watch it and you'll just come back. And even if you have two sentences to say about it, right. that's Quick totally report. fine. Quick gotcha. report. Exactly. And and why not start there? Now, why not start with the prom? Perfect. Don't listen to the episode of High School Slumber Party. I want I, your just like organic feel and taste I, on it because we had opinions. I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave okay. it there. Okay. <laughs> I, I accept the assignment and I will, um, I will bring, I will bring it back on time. And, um, you know, spell checked and everything. Wonderful. Looking forward to talking about that very briefly when we talk about your assignment slumbers for the next episode of High School Slumber Party AP. So, Eisen, why don't you tell them what that film is? I'm happy to. Our next episode, we will cover Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, which you can find on HBO Max. And that's a film I've been really wanting to cover. I saw it. Cool. Um, I saw it uh, in my little rewatch thing, and it was early on a film that was getting some Oscar buzz and ended up not getting nominated for anything. Places like IndieWire have said that it was a big snub. The Oscar nominations came out, and two women are nominated for Best Director, mm-hmm. but a lot of places are saying it could have been as much as four or five. You know, there might be something there where they're like, oh, is two enough? You know? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and the director of Never Really, Sometimes, Always, Eliza Hitman, she's amazing. Good things are going to come from her body of work in the future. It's one of these people that I'm telling you, keep your eye on. This movie, directed by women, produced by all women, written by her, so all women. The cast... These young women in this film should have been nominated in their own right. All right. You know, Aislinn, I don't want to influence your take on the film. However you feel about it, I can't wait to talk about it. But in terms of the performances, I guarantee you will be like, as 
you know, you will be so impressed by the performances, especially of the two leads, Sydney Flanagan and Talia Ryder, who she, Talia Ryder to me, she's 18. She should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Mm. Like, that's how I feel. Right. I'm looking forward to it. This, this is a movie that it's, it's not as, uh, it's a little bit heavy, but mm-hmm. we're going to do it because I, well, again, I don't want to spoil it. So, <laughs> so come back uh, May 3rd, which is Tobin's birthday. Oh, nice. Nice. And listen to Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. Can't wait. And Island, this was so awesome. Uh, again, a great place to start. Why don't you tell the slumberers out there where they can follow you, find you, remind them of contenders, wherever else you want to say. Sounds good. Well, um, I just want to say thank you again for the invitation to go on this journey. I am um, so excited for what... I will learn and um, experience and find out about the world in looking at these contemporary teen films. I'm super excited. So thank you for having me. I am on Twitter reluctantly at SassyNerdMT. Um, you can find uh, con- the contenders underscore pod on Twitter as well. Um, and certainly all roads lead back to cageclub.me. So find out all, all about our podcast there. And yeah, say hi on the Twitter. I'll, I'll say hi back. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Aislinn. Looking forward to our next movie, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. The artists are bruises, and that was a song off the Map of Tiny Perfect Things soundtrack. Of course, the voice before was Aislinn Addington, and I'm Brian Rodriguez, as always. And that was the first ever episode of High School Slumber Party AP. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. That was everything I expected and more. And I'll tell you what, I cannot wait to hook up with Aislinn again and talk another movie from the last five years the past five years oh my god that was so much fun but of course i'm here because i gotta get back into teacher mode (sighs) we have some homework for you and it's homework that's due in a couple days friday of course we have another episode and we're continuing our gus van sant lap we're going to be talking a sobering film a controversial film a topical film that film of course is elephant Mom's gonna kill you. What? What are you doing? Dad, I'm driving. Get out of the car, Dad.
about these long pants. Everybody else is wearing shorts. What's the matter? I don't want to talk about it. He's so cute. So cute. He has a girlfriend? Mm -hmm. Since when? You didn't know that? No. Where are you riding? On this? Yeah. It's my plan. For what? I guess so. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, don't come back. Hey, sir, don't go in. Sir, don't go in there. Don't, trust me, just don't go in there. It's going to be a heavy one. And of course, we have a heavy-hitting guest with us, Danny Kim, one of the most analytical people I know, high school classmate of mine. He's going to be here to talk all about Elephant. So that's your homework. Watch Elephant and listen on Friday. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and of course, cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me, the home of so many other great Cage Club Network podcasts, including some I've been on recently, Beyond the Paywall, Too Fast, Too Forever. I just talked Mr. Baseball. My team has yet to play as of this morning, so come on, New York Mets, get on the field. <laughs> if you know what that's about, you know what that's about. Also, I was on Mike Manzi's show, Third Time's a Charm. We covered a Sean Connery film. We covered a Bond film. It was Goldfinger, the third Bond film, of course, so that's why we did it. Check that out. Dan Colon was there as well. And remember, guys, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it.